Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Yeah, I watched the, well, I mean, I watched the 2021 game and I watched last year's game um, a lot. I watched both those games a lot, right? Um, I thought what uh, Coach Frost and the offensive staff did two years ago was phenomenal. But Martinez was amazing. I mean, a lot of great things happened to play great defense. Um, obviously, last year was a hard-fought battle back and forth. But, you know, they have a new defensive coordinator, right? There's just not a lot of things that translate. So it's all, it's all kind of new. So um, those are more like off-season studies for me. You know, I get in the game week, I usually try to go back and watch personnel. You know, Coach Vokalek is there who was here. So obviously he'll know our personnel. So I try to go back and watch their players versus our guys a little bit. But for the most part, now I have, you know, I have six games on them versus really good competition, two top 25 teams that they've played. Uh, they're just a lot like us. Kicking off hour number three here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. That's Andrew Rogers d- dancing for some reason. Uh, uh, just the shoulders. <laughs> Can't stop it. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And for this third hour, we are on KFOR in Lincoln as well. All of those places we are brought to you by Pratt Dental. Uh, they are here for the BioClear method. Dr. Pratt is the only Dentist in Nebraska that provides that service located in North Platte. The BioClear method and modern smile design can correct many aesthetic dilemmas in a permanent and less invasive manner than traditional treatments. Give Pratt Dental a call, 308-221-2800. We are efforting our friend Mike (laughs) Schaefer. Before we go to him, I changed my pick from a Jag. Okay. Remember, remember, we were on that topic of yeah. Jag, and, yeah, yeah. I, and I said Najee, and I'm like, eh, I don't feel like great about it. I got a way better one. Okay. Kyle Pitts. Oh, yeah. Kyle Pitts is the Jag. Super That's talented. Just a dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. You said Schaefer is here, Shane? Bring him in. That is correct. Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Schaefer, what's going on, bud? Oh, not a, not a lot. How are we, uh, how are we doing? Is that, a, uh, is that a, a baseballism hat I'm seeing you rocking there? Oh yeah, big baseballism guy. I, you know, it's it's one of those things where like I uh, I used to attend their concerts in a garage before they got big, <laughs> sort of deal. I don't know how or why. I think I discovered them on my first like spring training trip. I was down in Scottsdale and they have like a store down there, or I found them online. Like it was like a targeted ad before I even knew what those were. But I have quite a bit of baseballism stuff, and then I was super pumped when they started showing up at CWS. Probably about. Four years ago, maybe? Yeah, so that's uh, where I, I first uh, got my stuff from. That's your Griffey yeah. hat, right? Yeah, so I've got a King Griffey yeah. Jr. hat like that, and then I've got the Sandlot dog hat, too, mm. uh, yep. from baseballism. Uh, beast. Yep. Yep, and then I've got yeah. a couple of their Omaha t-shirts as well that uh, I really enjoy. So, yeah, big fan. They should uh, – hey, baseballism, sponsor the show. Let's go. <laughs> um, they might. Look, they're, they're good to work with. Hey, not, nothing crazy about that. Hey, I asked Ravi this earlier today, Shafe, and I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to change the question around. We were talking about when Steve Smith called Jerry Judy a jag, just another guy. And so I asked him who he felt was a jag, and then he asked me who I thought was a jag. Um, I ultimately landed about three seconds ago on Kyle Pitts. Um, you said an NBA Paul, Paul George. George. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you from – 
a Big Ten perspective? Who's just a jag in the Big Ten to you? I mean, this is probably going to fly in the face of what Jim Harbaugh was just saying, but it's J.J. McCarthy. Like, I don't. I don't get fired up about him. I understand he can put up good efficiency numbers. I and I just I don't believe it. Part of it to me is I'm viewing it as this is a guy they're talking about as a first round quarterback for next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And I would want nothing to do with that. <laughs> like, you know, if you're if you're getting him in the third or the fourth round, whatever, you sure. know, at that point. But investing that much draft capital in a guy who's never really asked to to do that much at Michigan and part of it is just the way that it's set up there that he he gets to sort of be a really rich guy's game manager like that's kind of how mm-hmm. I view him um so if we were if we were limiting it to the Big Ten uh I'm trying to think if there's any other examples I have in in years past but a part of it part of it this year is that Big Ten lacks star power I mean it, it really it's just kind of Sort of a conference where you have some good teams. You have some really good defensive players on Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State feels like maybe the worst version of itself that it's been in a while, which is unfair because they've been a machine. But um, And then I'm really high on Drew Aller and Penn State, but I don't know if they're quite there yet. So there's to me, it's, it's a weird, like, like Talia Tagovailoa is like among your biggest star names, and he's solid, um, but it's a – it's kind of a down year overall for the Big Ten in general, uh, but also from top-end uh, stud talent, I guess it feels that way too, or at least marketed that way. Yeah, I mean, you've got so, – so you've got Marvin Harrison Jr. and, like, Braylon Allen, who are kind of bigger names, but – Braylon Allen could be in that Jag category now too. That, yeah, I mean, he's been not as uh, – I mean, he was so hyped up yeah. coming in to Wisconsin. Can we just call year Wisconsin year just a program? Because that's what I would have called them before the year, too. They're a Jap. Well, find a better one for that. Yeah. yeah um, the, uh, let's move on to Nebraska here. Uh, Coach Rule had some interesting thoughts, um, particularly about sort of, when we were talking about this earlier, about the dynamics between like each sort of facet of the program. I'm going to include fans in here, right? You got fans have a job, players have a job, coaches have a job. I guess having seen multiple coaching staffs and sort of how different head coaches have dealt with the fan pressure and the outside noise and stuff like that, how did you process that his response to that question about um, about players staying focused on what's happening and blocking out the inside, the outside noise? I think a lot of what Matt Rule does, um, and uh, people are going to get really mad if I make a comparison here, and it's not like a direct one-to-one, but you see other coaches do this, and I'm going to use P.J. Fleck as an example. (laughs) They sort of make themselves the target in a lot of ways. Like, they make themselves sort of the thing that gets talked about um, as opposed to all of the conversation being on the players. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more at Minnesota than it is at Nebraska, but I think what a lot of times it feels like Matt Rule some tries to do is to swallow some of the attention to allow his guys to not necessarily fly under the radar. That's hard to do here in Lincoln with as much coverage as we have for everything all the time. But to to pull some of that back because for as much media coverage as there is, it's you know, it's gotta be really hard to be a player and to just completely avoid it. But if he can either change the conversation or take up 
enough of the space that you sort of move off of the team individually. It allows them to kind of work, um, again, not under the radar, but with a little less attention overall. Like, I think, I think that's a strategy that he is trying to, to enact. So, because I feel like he feels very comfortable having just coached in the NFL that he can handle whatever criticism or whatever else is, is coming directed towards him. But if you can kind of protect the players a little bit of it, if you can keep them so they can work without having as much distraction, I think that's kind of the idea behind it. This is a, it's like a half-baked theory that I'm just throwing out on air so, right now. Uh, so feel free to completely pick it apart. And then <laughs> it no, I'm curious because, you know, I, I brought this up to Andrew earlier. How do you think you balance that, it, what you just sort of talked about, as sort of making yourself – the focus of the attention and, and criticism and whatever without doing the Bo Pelini route of like vilifying the fans, right? Like that's, yeah. that gets kind of a fine line there, right? To say, Hey, don't listen to the outside noise, but the outside noise isn't, isn't poison. It's not, they're not bad people for making noise. Yeah. I, I, well, I think there's a lot of things Matt rule has going for him that Bo Pelini probably did not for starters. Matt rule seems like he genuinely wants to be a head football coach with all of the facets that go with it whereas Bo would much have preferred to just stand in front of a grease board up until when they played the game and then go play the game and then go back to the grease board so part of it is just their personalities another part of it is I I think Rule genuinely appreciates all of the fan support Nebraska has but as we've talked about many times over at this point he also likes to manage and kind of control everything so if he can also sort of manage how that support is enacted uh and and try to control that to whatever degree that he can he's going to try and if some of that is manipulating how fans react to stuff um i wouldn't put it past him to attempt to do that i know that sounds like it's really um i don't know what the phrase i want to use here machiavellian if people like know sinister almost yes yes sinister is a better word for it and I don't, I don't mean it in those intentions. I just mean that he, he likes to have his touch on everything in the mm. program. So the way the fan base reacts would be another thing that he would try to put his imprints on. It, it almost feels like he's trying to coach the fan base as well. Yeah. A little bit. See, little you, guys bit. Are, you guys are better with words than I am. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of like I was trying to get it to, to manage, like manage the, not expectations because nobody can really do that, but sort of manage the ebb and flow of week to week because i think the other thing you have to remember if you're matt rule right now like you have this fan base that's just desperate for anything right mm-hmm. nebraska beats northwestern it's going to get louder and nebraska beats purdue it's going to get louder so part of it is getting on the front side of this and try to manage it a little bit and try to very much hammer home the week to week and we've got to take care of ourselves and we can't get too big and stuff like that um uh, because you also know what's on the other side of it i mean I myself am fascinated if Nebraska is able to get to six wins or seven wins. I don't know that we in the media are even prepared for what that next nine month period during the off season <laughs> and the buildup and the hype. I don't know the, what know, the three but, weeks until that bowl game would be like. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it literally might be the biggest bowl game ever played based on the, the buildup for it. So regardless of who it's against or if it's happening in Detroit at the quick lane bowl. So um, you know, I, part of it to me is just trying to get ahead of some of that. Sure. Um, I, I think that's just his personality. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think he just wants his touch on everything he can. 
Shafe, would we be in like what was that after the Arizona Bowl game? With like, was that the restore the order year? Like, is that if Nebraska oh, no. gets to like oh, seven? No. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like that if Nebraska oh, yeah, yeah, gets yeah. to like seven wins, is that the kind of hype we're talking about? You think? I mean, if Nebraska were to like finish this thing out, and let's see, seven would they go four and two down the stretch? One of those comes at the expense of Iowa or Wisconsin. You like, you maybe even get like a. 10 to 14 point win in there. Nebraska fans are going to be feeling themselves a little bit. There's no question about it. Best seven win team in the country, baby. Let's go. I mean, they're just recently were the greatest three and nine team of I all know. time. Oh, so yeah. What are they going to do if they get to seven and five mm. is a real question to ask here. Grease the poles. Hey, I, uh, I, I want to. No, it's like the Philly reference here. Get your mind out no, of the gutter. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. It was. It was my Minnesota Vikings that lost in 2017. That started You're it welcome. Was the city of Minneapolis, where they won the Super Bowl, where they basically were unprepared for the response. So I, I knew what you were going with. Well, earlier I said a different reference with an acronym, and you guys took that the wrong way. So we, wow. we, we got to be careful here now. Hey, you know, as, as we kind of talk about this team now, Shafe, we heard Coach say yesterday uh, that they were able to move guys around in order to create crop for other injuries that may pop up. And based on everything you heard, I'm curious, who do you think – and this offense or defense right now needs to get involved more. Okay. Um, well, I, like, it's not whether I think it. It, it has to happen. Like, guys like Jalen Lloyd and Malachi Coleman are going to have to play. Jaden Doss is going to have to play because of the, the absence of Marcus Washington. Here's one that I would like to see more of, despite his fumble on Friday against mm. Illinois. I thought Emmett Johnson gave Nebraska something on the inside running game that Anthony Grant was unable to do against Illinois. I've, I've hammered this a lot in the last, you know, two weeks. And so I'm hoping that maybe he has like a big game against Northwestern so I can move off of it. But I was really disappointed with Anthony Grant against Illinois. It has nothing to do with the fumble. I just thought he didn't run well in a, in a game where Nebraska should have been able to control that box, should have been able to control a little bit more in the running game. And I thought Emma Johnson outran him on some of those carries and looked better. And so I would like to see not necessarily a 50-50 split, but more touches for Emma Johnson, more opportunity there. I mean, he had a nice catch against Michigan where um, Heinrich Harburg was flushed out of the pocket and had to, had to dump that thing off. I think it was Michigan. could have been Louisiana Tech. Who knows? You know, you, you get far enough back and all <laughs> together. But um, I, would, I would like to see more – I would like to see more Emmett Johnson. So when he was talking about different people, that was one that I had in my mind for sure. I, You know, defensively, does it even matter if it's someone unique that gets thrown out there? It's, it's all thriving right now. The You know, they could they could put me out there in defense and still be okay for a <laughs> possession or two. So I offensively, it's really kind of Emmett Johnson at this point. Shafe, I would have guessed you more as like a setter. You got kind of a Jason Kelsey look going on there. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. My, my Is he playing with a broken one. hand, too? What would your PFF grade be? I, can you get negative? I don't know. Like, I've seen enough Vikings interior offensive linemen that it seems like there should be some negative grades out there. I could, I could accomplish that. We're talk- I could do a pat out for three years. We're talking with Mike Shaver, Husker 24-7. Uh, speaking of those PFF grades, I, I thought it was interesting because – you know, there's something that I look at sometimes. I don't think you can put a ton of stock in them because they are imperfect. But 
I think for certain positions like offensive line, it can be difficult for uh, fans that aren't either used to watching film or never coached the sport or didn't play that position to kind of evaluate offensive line play outside of, oh, is my quarterback getting sacked a lot or whatever, or is the running back having holes to open up? So, I mean, do you think there – I know Coach Rule kind of talked about the value in some of the other things PFF does, but, I mean, do you think there's any value in those grades, even just from a fan perspective? I think it's a catch-all, right? Like, and I have to I have to acknowledge this. I work for a company that puts out a set of numbers that people go goo-goo-gaga over, you know, right? Like – is there a ton of value in being the 33rd best player in the country or the 32nd best player in the country? One, you get a five-star. The other, you get a four-star. So it's kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, I, I work in an incredibly subjective industry. All of that to say, I don't put a ton of stock in, in pro football focus, but what it does is it catches your eye. It makes you think about the game in a slightly different way. You acknowledge that these people are subjective in what they do then you can just use it as one set of data. You know, it could reinforce how you felt about things. It could completely go against how you felt about things. But it's just a set of data that someone just put together based off of the game. You can use it as you want. And so I, I what I like about Pro Football Focus is more of the snap count, more of that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. That's easy, condensable information that I don't have to go figure out on my own. So I appreciate that more. Um, but sometimes, I, you know, if you just view it as a snapshot of here's what the game sort of looked like based on this person's interpretation of how Nebraska played, you can get some information off of it. But I don't I don't know that, you know, even as someone who has spent enough time around football that I should have a better understanding of how things work. I don't know that I can sit here and tell you what a 42.9 means to me for an offensive lineman relative to Thomas Fedoni getting a 67.8. Or, you know, there's there's some games, like there was a game, might have been Northern Illinois, where I don't care what the pro football focus grade was. <laughs> Nash, Nash Hutmacher was 100. Okay? <laughs> he was 100 that day. And every Northern Illinois player would tell you as much. And they had him at like a 74. So, it, to me, it's just, it's just a snapshot. Like, we don't have to make mm-hmm. as much out of it as sometimes we do. Shafe, no, Northwestern is three and three, twelve point dogs this weekend. Purdue way is too high, right? Way, like, it, it seems too high. It is way too high. But I also don't know if they're basing that off of that Penn State game, where you know they they play a really good defense, and Northwestern got really aggressive in that game, and then it just kind of blew up in their face. So I don't know if that's kind of what Vegas is looking at. But yeah, go into that. Why do you think it's so high? Well, I just – I look at it – I'm not at the point where I'm comfortable if Nebraska is a double-digit favorite if I'm a gambler. Like, I just don't know that they have the offense that can kind of run away. They might have a defense that can tamp things down, but I look at it like 17-7 to 7 could feel like a, a bit of a butt-kicking, but it's still not going to cover that spread, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's one of those things where I could see Nebraska being in control of this game but not able to cover that number. I can also see this sort of being kind of like, a, you know – Grin and bear it for four quarters and hope to get out of there at 20 to 13 or 20 to 17 or, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I am not at the point where I'm just completely comfortable saying Nebraska should beat Northwestern um, or any of these teams on their schedule. Now I feel like they will, uh, but it doesn't, it's just not where I, it's that close to a two touchdown favorite to me just feels a little high. And I, I think Northwestern's defense is going to come out and have some wrinkles for Heinrich Harburg. Like, this is a big week for him 
um, because they they had a buy, they had an opportunity to prepare. This is a, a relatively young quarterback going against a defensive head coach for the next two weeks. These are going to be some challenging games for different reasons, I think, for Nebraska. Uh, so I, I hope fans aren't coming in with the expectation that they're going to see 2021 Nebraska Northwestern. I don't think that's going to happen on Saturday. Shafe, what do you make of this Northwestern team who had the huge comeback against Minnesota, put up 20, uh, 37 points against a Minnesota team that Nebraska had a really hard time moving the ball against, although with a different quarterback and, to be fair, like almost entirely different skill position players at every spot at this point. Or you also have this as a Northwestern team that only beat Howard by three. Like, how do you reconcile some of the results you've seen from Northwestern this year for what you expect to see on Saturday? Yeah, I tend to think of that Minnesota game as a uh, aberration. I mean, most of that happened in the final 20 mm-hmm. minutes of game time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I don't really view that as, as indicative of what they are. But it also means that they could catch fire like that. I, I, I would think if Nebraska played Minnesota right now, they would have a better opportunity to beat them, even with all of their injuries and their limitations. Part of the difficulty of playing that game on a Thursday opening night is you just started your season. Like, they're just sort of getting into it. And so I think if they would have played them when Northwestern did, they'd have a better opportunity to have won that game. They still should have won the game when they played it in August. So I, I think Northwestern, again, has the opportunity to, to come in and make things difficult for Heinrich Harburg. I struggle to see where their offense is going to put up a lot of points. Um, you know, I think the total in this is like 41 and a half, which seems kind of high. Like, I, I kind of expect this game to stay in the teens, guys. I, I just don't think a lot of points are going to get put on the board. Shafe. Purdue is two and five. Michigan State is two and four. Maryland loses to Illinois. Iowa and Wisconsin look no better than any other team <laughs> in the Big Ten West. Down the stretch, Nebraska wins one to two, three to four, or five to six games. You know, I had them at seven and five before the year. Also, I'll go with three to three to four. Um, you know, and in that seven and five was wins against Minnesota and Colorado and a loss to Illinois. So so far, my prognostication skills <laughs> are a lot. You're on it. Nailed it. Even a lot to, uh, to be desired. But I I think this is a seven and five team. I, I think they can get there. I think they can get there if Heiner Harburg is a quarterback and Anthony Grant is a running back and you know Billy Kemp and a whole bunch of question marks at wide receiver. All because this defense gives them an opportunity in every game that they play in. And I think the scary thing for some people, Nebraska is just going to get better. Like, just by the nature of what they have out there, Heinrich Harburg should be getting better. Thomas Fedoni, who's only played six games in he's his looked entire a lot better. career, I think he's going to be someone that could be really interesting those final couple games against Wisconsin and Iowa, maybe even could be the focal point of your red zone attack. So there's And this defense, too, like, they're going to get better. Like, I, I think some of what excites me over the next six weeks is they have an opportunity to develop in real time in front of our eyes. And they've got a younger team than what you would realize – with all of the injuries they've sustained so far. Shafe, we've got about a minute here. Do you expect to I'll see – I'll be quick. <laughs> I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> do you expect to see uh, Jeff Sims as part of the offense, even if Heinrich Harburg continues as the starter and stays healthy? Do you expect to see a Jeff Sims package out there just to get a playmaker on the field? I would love to see it. At this point, I don't know if I expect to see it because I don't know if they want to invite that quite yet. Sure. I, I think you maybe let Heinrich Harburg continue to, to do what he's doing. Uh, and if you need Jeff Sims because Harburg's banged up, then you go to that route. But I would love to see it. I just don't know if there's the confidence yet that they can do that and not raise a bunch of questions.
Mm. Mike J. Schaefer, Husker, 24-7. You almost answered that too quick. We still got 30 seconds, Schaefer. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. <laughs> um, oh, give me a few uh, more. Timing. timing has been an issue. It's all right. We, uh, we appreciate it, Schaefer. We'll talk to you again next week. He's just all another right. guy. That is always true. Just another guy. How dare you with his beautiful baseballism hat See you, Shave. We've got sports writer Jason Kelsey out here doing his his best work for us. (laughs) No, we appreciate Shave as always. Does that Uh, mean you're you're dating Taylor Swift because you also have a beard? No, because I'm not his brother. Yeah, you are. Uh, Not not (laughs) technically. Not legally. Uh, Coming up next, we've got more Hurt Sports Radio.